right, y'all, welcome back to another episode of the Crystal Lens Experience, where we have authentically liberating conversations with interesting people who have really dope stories to tell. My name is Crystal, aka the Crystal Lens, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Sir Henry Parker of Henry Parker Presents, right, and a million other things that he does. Henry, welcome, welcome. Can you tell us who are you? Who are you, Henry? Tell everyone. Okay, Uh, to make a long story short, my name is Henry Parker. I have was born here in Somerville, Mass. I recently purchased the family property, which has been in the family for over a hundred years. Wow. So I'm just a glass style bender. <laughs> that's, <laughs> me, that's it. The last uh, style bender. I love that. So uh, some folks refer to me as the black mayor of Somerville. <laughs> 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 I love that, Henry. I absolutely love that. Uh, I'm semi-retired. Uh, I like I like to use my program Scat TV as a platform for social activism because that's how I how I was brought up. Amen. Uh, in fact, that's all I know <laughs> is social <laughs> activism. Right. Yeah. So uh, I'm just doing what I can do to keep the family legacy alive I love uh, but being active in the community. I love that. Can you tell me a little bit about like some of the people you brought on your show, um, especially as it relates to like social activism and everything like that? Okay. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, let, let me, okay. I'll tell you what I did. As soon as I joined SCAT, they, I, they always said, uh, talked about freedom of speech. And I said, let me put these folks to the test. So what I did was, uh, America's number one boogeyman is Louis Farrakhan, then and now. So I went to the nation and I said, I wanna sponsor your television program. And they liked that. And we ran his show for maybe three years or so. So I would help them out with different events by videotaping and it paid dividends because I had access to uh, record people that most people wouldn't ordinarily. Like I had a chance to uh, interview Dr. Umar Johnson, which was quite interesting. Wow. Uh, uh, I recorded uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. He gave a presentation. He's very active on with the uh, anti-COVID vaccine right now. That's why you don't hear him. Mm. Uh, uh, and other members of the nations and people that come in that, that were high profile. Wow. So it, it gave me, so what I do is I'm sort of like this secret weapon. Uh, I'll interview them on my show. And I have uh, Brother Carol Smith. I sponsor his TV program and we were able to get the word out over on this side of the bridge. I love that. I love that, Henry. Um, And I'll say that literally, Henry, you and I have known each other probably since, I think 2015 is when I started coming around the studio. And so I've definitely seen like some of the people that you've brought on and just like some of the stories you've told, like you're definitely like an OG in the game for sure. And like, 
much respect much much respect so it's it's i just keep on bugging along so that's me yeah i love it i love it so henry as you know um i brought you on because we're promoting the film the walk uh which is gonna be in theaters june 10th and oh, beautiful yeah and it is the first time that we have a depiction of the desegregation busing you know um that happened in boston in the 70s and 80s right from a hollywood standpoint right from a dramatic standpoint right there's tons of documentaries um but no one's taken on this issue creatively so okay. i'm super excited because um my production partner in crime george powell uh wrote the film um and as you know i wanted to bring you on because you've been around you know in boston you know in that area since yep. like you know since right. the dawn of time henry been around for her a minute y'all <laughs> <laughs> absolutely well, so henry tell me a little bit um about can you tell me a little bit about the history of busing in boston like why did it happen i know we were like one of the first if not like the first in the nation to integrate like can you give a little bit of the history of what was going on during that I, time I would, I would say coming out of the late 60s and early 17s 70s it was a very interesting time back then because mm -hmm. uh you were just folk were just getting out of the dealing with the Vietnam War, uh, black folk were starting to rise up within consciousness. Uh, folks were being physically, intellectually, and spiritually liberated. Uh, they were trying to break the status quo. Now, uh, you still had the old guy that were running things in terms of schools, etc. So. When they went to desegregate the schools, uh, like in particularly, like in places like South Boston, that was a hotbed of racial segregation, they weren't having it. They were not having it. Uh, they went out kicking and screaming. Uh, so it was pretty, pretty tense. Uh, the police were heavily involved. Uh, in fact, at that point, I had a friend that worked in South Boston. He had to have a police escort going and coming to work. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, now, we're here, here I was residing in Somerville. It was a little bit different because mm -hmm. Somerville had, had a very small Black population. Uh, so it really didn't make any difference, not until the late 80s and 90s when you had the red line come in and you had a heavy influx of, uh, I guess, Salvadorians and Haitians. And that's mm -hmm. when, I guess, uh, the situation at some of the high school exploded. Right. So I Somerville would, wasn't going through the same, like, integration that was happening in Boston. No, 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 it's different. Uh, I, to me, busting is, is sort of weird. Like, as a kid, I grew up in Detroit. Mm. And I was I was bused from one black school to another. Go figure. Got it. Got it. Now, the to bus uh, black kids to all white situation. They a lot of that could have been alleviated if the black co schools had quality uh, 
education, you know, in terms of like books, mm -hmm. teachers that really cared, teachers right. that the students could relate to. Because uh, you, in fact, you never hear them busting white kids to bomb black schools. Right. Well, I was going to ask you, Henry, were they only during that time, right? Like, were they only busing black students to the white schools? Or were yeah. they also busing white students as well? Uh, as far as I know, just blacks, the white school. Right. Because yeah. that's what that's that's from what I understood. That's what it was. Um, yeah. And it was interesting because this lady um, and you can tell me what your your opinion is on this, but I was watching some clips or whatever in preparation for chatting with you and um this one white lady was like I don't care you know who they go to school with it's the fact that they're taking you know my my kid like out of our neighborhood schools right like you're you're ruining our neighborhoods you know so I feel like you know it was it was a proximity thing as well like they were just afraid of like taking their students you know taking their kids who were students at the time like halfway across the city you know what what is your take on that yeah you took you took they took the kids out of their neighborhoods. Uh, what I find interesting is growing up here in Somerville, some of us had a distinct advantage because we're able to walk on, we're able to walk in a function in the black world and the white world. Mm. Whereas those that are black, it was strictly brought up in Roxbury, Mattapan, and Dorchester. If you took them outside of that that realm, hey, they're lost. Right. Uh, it's foreign. It's a foreign like community. It's a foreign right. you know, school. Uh, that's like uh, a few years ago when I worked at the Belmont TV studio. Uh, they had a Martin Luther King breakfast, if that's what you want to call it. Uh, and I guess they had a lot of these students from Medco who had been being bust for the last 40 or 50 years. It was crazy, but it, in certain respects, it gave them uh, an aspect of seeing what the suburbs were like, et cetera. So, I mean, it, it was, it was crazy for them to partake in after-school programs the Belmont school system provided them with Uber rides home. That's mm. like, wow. But they never talk about taking white folks to, to black neighborhoods, which I find is, look, you gotta, you gotta uh, educate them too, but right. that's what happen. So let me ask you a question, Henry. In terms of busing, cause I know that like the Metco program still exists and everything like that right. today. Um, well, first, let's start there. Can you explain a little bit about the METCO program and just like for folks who don't know? Okay, to the best of my ability, mm -hmm. it's, it's a program designed to, I guess, bus low-income Black folk to white affluent schools to give them, uh, give them a better education. Mm -hmm. And I guess it works because it's, it's still in existence. Right, right. I was going to say, because that was going to be my next question is, do you think and thinking about busing, you know, back in the, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, right? And then also thinking about the METCO program now, is there really, is there a benefit the busing like what are the pros and cons like I know there's a lot of cons right of like you're taking someone out of their 
environment, their community, you know, busing them into a new um, community and everything like that. But yeah, exactly. are there are there any like what are what are the pros and cons of busing? Uh, outside of having to travel a great distance and hope. Well, first of all, if you're black, you're gonna go to a white school. That's all you see. That's the only person you don't get the exposure of seeing any black authority figures. Mm-hmm. Uh, most white teachers, they don't know how to deal with black students, which is unfortunate. Right. Uh, that, that has a lot to do with it. Uh, right. One of the things I was fortunate enough to was I went to a black college after I got out of high school. So it was sort of weird coming from Detroit, which was all black, moving to Somerville, which was all white, than going to an all-black college. That was right. Right. You had a lot going on. <laughs> you <better> believe it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I personally, I would recommend all black students to go to HBCU. They don't have to graduate, but just for the experience. Right. Uh, can you tell me about that? What was the experience like? I I can only imagine because I dreamed of going to an HBCU and I ended up going to you know, a predominantly white institution, but can you like tell us about what that experience was like? It was a culture shock. Uh, It was like fighting the civil war. Uh, It was definitely a hard adjustment. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have, uh, I studied sociology, that was my major. And I happened to have uh, Dr. Francis Cress Welsing as an instructor. Uh, she's one of the more noted sociologists. Uh, most of the guys that I went to college with from the North, they stayed down South. They never came back. Right. I couldn't handle it because I went from like being some of old Cambridge, Boston. That was sort of like the big city. Right. To go to Raleigh, North Carolina, which was sort of like a little hick city. Right. I was like, I ain't feeling this. I'm coming right. back home where I can see some cement. <laughs> Come on, cement. But right. why was it why was it such a shock for you though? It was because you had never seen like an all-black, you know, administration, like leadership and everything like that. Uh that and to go from a all white situation. I because I had grown up here. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, everybody's black. Uh, and from, it, it was it was just a total culture culture shock. So, I had I had to, I had to change how I thought. I had to change how I spoke, uh, terminology, everything. So, uh, it was it was an interesting time. I still stay in contact uh, uh, with my girlfriend from back then, which is Ooh. amazing. My dad. Uh, uh most of the guys that I was friends with, they she keeps me in touch. They are all in the great beyond, which is I find weird. But uh because you always think of people the waste the last time you saw them, etc. Uh and you were good friends with them. And to find out something happened to them was like, whoa, okay, wow. Yeah. But but I, I, I recommend it to anybody black. In particular, HBCU. From, from the New England area, 
to go south and see what the school is because it's it's a whole different world right right so i'm thinking of i want to bring this back around to you know the film the walk um you know we're talking about education we're talking about hbcus and everything like that um what is the in your opinion right what is the solution to busing like i have i I have an idea, you know what I mean? But I want to hear your opinion. Like, what is the solution to busing so that we don't have to take students, you know, from low-income neighborhoods and bus them to more affluent neighborhoods? Like, what is the solution? I would say if they had a much proper, better education, uh, so they, uh, they, they don't get lost in the shuffle, excuse me, yeah. Uh, so their books don't judge jump from page one to page twelve. Right. Uh, so like quality, that. quality books, quality. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, nice. that's that's the main thing. Uh, everything else can work its work its way out because after they get out of college, high school, whatever, they can do whatever. Right. Right. It's the public education system. I think the right. other thing too is that at least from my my perspective, the public school system in America is not necessarily designed to do much other than like teach you how to go to work. Yeah, like, I mean, teach you how to go to work, teach you how to, you know, follow this specific system. Um, and so when I think of, of that, I'm like, okay, well, it doesn't really matter which school you're at, right? I mean, like, there's probably like extra programs, stuff like that, enrichment programs. But overall, like, the, I feel like the whole like school system needs like a facelift. Oh, it does, it does, and it's sad. Uh, the public school system, as they say, is the killing fields. It's designed for you to go to school, get a job. That's it. Yep. No more, no less. It's teaching you how Which to be a sad. worker. Uh, right, a drone. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, some folks are lucky enough to go to a charter school, et cetera, a private school. That's something else. But you shouldn't have to pay to get an education. Right. In high school. Right. It's, education so, should be free. Knowledge is free. Right. Uh, in some cases, folks are going to have to take it upon themselves to educate their own kids because mm-hmm. in particularly if they're in public schools because the information they need they're just not going to get it you got to right. do it on your own but right. then again a lot of the parents they don't want to bother to read anyway so that's another story so, hey i was going to say i was going to ask you a question henry where where does one begin so for the parents who are interested right and those who actually want to teach their their kids you know something more and something outside of what the standard public school is teaching them, where can they, what resources are out there? Where can they go or what can they start with, you know? Well, well, uh, there's, I guess, different alternative schools. Uh, The Nation Islam, they have their own curriculum, the University of Islam here in Boston. I got a friend, Dr. Materi Nelson. She has a school for comedic studies. Uh, 
So it's just a matter of, I would say, the different schools of thought. You just got to find out the people that are involved and happen to teach that kind of stuff and go from there. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that, Henry. Yeah. I want to ask you um, a question that I didn't get to ask earlier. Um, getting back into the, the film and whatnot and what you said was beautiful in terms of like, here are different, you know, resources. Um, but getting in back into the film, The Walk, and thinking about what was going on at that time, do you remember, because I'm really, you know, I'm big on media and everything like that. Do you remember what you saw, whether it was on television or on the radio? Like, do you remember oh, yeah. what you were hearing in the media? Yeah, I, what you basically saw was uh, those that were on the buses being attacked by kids and adults going and coming to school. And it was pretty, uh, pretty scary. The, right. the, the hatred that was exhibited. Right, right. When I was talking to the writer of the film, um, George Powell, he was saying that, you know, we were discussing the fact that people are inherently like afraid of change, right? Because it's the unknown. And this was like exactly. a major change that was forced upon like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of, of or I don't even know how many students there were at the time, but I presume hundreds of, um, of, of students who were literally just trying to get an education. You know what I mean? It was forced on them, it was forced on their parents. They're right. taking they them, they didn't they ask for this. Yeah, right. yeah. So I, I think of that. Um, and just how how scary that must have been for like for everybody, right? That it, this is a huge change, you know. Up until then, at least from my understanding of Boston history, is that like it was pretty segregated, but it was like we stayed with our people, right? Like exactly, you know, we stayed with our people, and I think like as humans on like a real basic level we gravitate towards people who are like us, right? So we want to stay, you know, in our communities and things like that. And I can only imagine how scary that was, you know, to take your child up out of like this nucleus that that is your neighborhood or whatever. And, right. um, into the unknown. Ex into the unknown, exactly, exactly. So yeah, I definitely, definitely um, can empathize with that because it's just like, you're you're taking me out of everything that I know and putting me into I'm a fish out of water basically. Right. Yeah. So Henry, I wanna um, you know, wrap up this conversation and ask you, well, I was gonna say one more question, but two more questions. <laughs> um one is as we think about the film, um, the walk, and we think about, I even think about like my brain went to like Ruby Bridges as well, but we think about everything that was going on um, in Boston, you know, in the 60s when they're busing these students and everything like that. When you think about that situation, why is it important for us to have this conversation in 2022? Well, for it's uh, important because 
it's it can be easily erased out of history. Mm. Uh, it can be forgotten. Uh, just like many other things. Uh, that's that's the main thing. Yeah. Uh, you don't hear about it now. Society is considerably more liberal. Uh, the old god that put up the fight to keep the school segregated, segregated. They're long gone. Right. Uh, but you still got to keep the history alive so people can say, look, hate to tell you, this could happen again. Yeah. Possibly. Uh, but like I said, it's, it's, it's history. You got to keep the history out there so people uh, know. Absolutely. Uh, a little side note. Mm -hmm. uh, at the time when they were desegregating the schools here, oh, well, my mother was a school teacher in Greenville, Mississippi, when they desegregated the schools there. Wow. So she actually was like, wow, what am I going to do? So I said, look, instead of having you know, a, a, a seating arrangement, let the kids sit anywhere. Let them figure it out. Figure it, out. it worked. Wow. What did the students do? So, wow. So she was like literally part of the first round yeah. of like integrating schools down there. Wow. Exactly. exactly. So put it this way. They, instead of, they got tired of yelling back and forth across the room at each other. So finally they just got up and moved their seat. And after a while they started sitting together and then she could come up with a seating, seating arrangement that way. Wow. What does that what does that tell you about like children? They can work out a lot of their issues by themselves. It's the parents that that uh step in and make a mess out of everything. Yeah. It's the parents that are fearful. It's the parent like kids are fearless. You know, I think about yeah. kids and like they are so fearless, but it's it's those of us that are older, the adults, right? That are like, oh no, like if you jump off the couch, you could break your bone. And they're like, yeah, but I'm Superman, you know what I mean? Or whatever it is. <laughs> so I definitely, I definitely, um, I hear that. I definitely hear that loud and clear. Um, and well, I was, I said two more things, but maybe two more things. <laughs> um, are there any other lessons that when you think about everything that happened with busing that was going on in Boston, um, when you think, look back to the 60s, when you look back to the 70s, when you look back to the 80s, um, you know, and even in, even in the 90s, if you want to, um, what are the main lessons that we need to learn from that time? I would say, oh, that's a good, very good question. Very, very good question. Uh, first of all, the welfare and education of the kids come first. Mm -hmm. That's first and foremost. Uh, anything else is a moot point because it's it's the parents and the administrators that are going to try and inflict their will on the situation. But the bottom line is, the kids got to get a quality education on both sides. Right, right, right. That's all that matters. I love that. I love that the like the kids come first, you know, like their like you said, their well being, their their health and safety and and 
you know, growth and development that has to come first, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I, I hate to bring it up, but I think of like, obviously the numerous freaking school shootings, that, you know, that have gone on um, and just all of the disruptions, like when you think of not just in today's time, but thinking back to, you know, the 60s and the 70s, right? Like kids just had so many disruptions. Like we've had so many disruptions to our schooling and our development, you know? And I feel like school shootings are now like the new disruption. Well, yeah, but I mean, the kids back then, they didn't think about shooting up schools. That was the first thing from their mind. Right, right, uh, right, right. But I even mean just like with the busing, right? That it was a disruption of, you know, the everyday, you know, <laughs> going to school. It's like now I have to learn how to, you know. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta be up at three in the morning to catch the bus at five, be there by seven. Exactly, exactly. So I, I mean, like things like that. Like there's, as I look at history, there's been like so many points where there's been like major disruptions to. Right students and, and their ability to just get an education yeah which it, it shouldn't be uh like i said if first of all the public school systems are a wreck that's that's the biggest problem right there it's not fair for those that don't have the means to go to private school charter school whatever uh i don't know what they're going to do with the public school system Whatever it is, they well, they don't they don't plan on doing anything because it's uh, it's a it's a breeding ground for prisons. So uh, it's just sad. This is sad state of affairs. Yeah, yeah. Sad state of affairs. Absolutely, absolutely. I totally agree. Um, yeah. You know, I think there's it's, at this point. Excuse me. At this I'll point. Go for it. You graduate from from uh, high school. If you're gonna do something to, to uh, further yourself, because right now a bachelor's degree, much less a master's degree, ain't gonna cut it. Mm-hmm. Uh, not unless you learn some sort of trade. That's about it. So right. it's it's a crazy world we live in. Right. Very crazy. Right. No, it's so true. It's it's so true. Um, I think you're you're totally right too, right? Like education shouldn't be a privilege for those who have the means to go to, like you said, private schools or right. you know all these other types of like non-public schools. Um, right. Yeah. No, you're so right. You're so right, Henry. Um, this is good. This is good, Henry. I I love chatting with you. <laughs> I really Likewise. love chatting. With you. Hey, folks are scat. We're still proud of you. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. I'm, I'm, I literally owe so much of my like media career to Scat TV, so I definitely have to like give them a shout out, SMC, and you know everyone who was around then. Um, but I just want to wrap this up, Henry. Is there anything else that you'd like to add to this conversation? Anything else that we miss? Like anything that's on your heart and your spirit that you just need to get out as we wrap up this conversation and, you know, lead up to the, the final days of the walk. To be blunt, seeing I've known from where you come media-wise, I'm extremely proud of you. 
from the days you were uh, uh, an intern with Yvette? Oh. <laughs> your uh, help found uh, the evolution of hip hop to your graduation to HBO. Thought I forgot about that, right? <laughs> ah, I know. <laughs> oh, so gosh. It, it, it just shows you where uh, community access television and uh, perseverance can take you. Absolutely. And I, I will say, like, from the bottom of my heart, like, I appreciate people like you and Yvette and, you know, you know, Tina, like everyone, Jason, everyone who was who was there, Erica, like um, everyone who was there because it was such a positive community. Um, yep. And everyone was just so supportive of like whatever idea you had. It's like, how can we make it come to life? It didn't matter. There was no dumb ideas, you know, and, yeah, <laughs> I mean, all kinds of, listen, when I tell y'all, like, all kinds of madness has come out of SCAD TV and Summerville oh, right. Media Center, all kinds, but at the end of the day, it's about fostering people's creativity and really empowering them and encouraging them to pursue this media career through community media and, and giving folks the access to the tools right because that's another thing is like having access to the tools to create this media is huge so i'm forever 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 grateful to all of you all um at smc and scat tv like cannot say thank you enough oh, all i can say is keep doing your thing i i'm quite sure i'll see you in uh on the cover of fortune 500 one of these days Hopefully, Henry. Hopefully, hopefully. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you, Henry. I appreciate it. Thank you, thank you. And I've I just noticed, want to say, because I've noticed, whatever endeavor you touch, it has, uh, it has your essence on it. Yeah, it's the crystal lens. You know, it's the it magic exactly. touch. <laughs> no, I appreciate that, Henry, for real. Um, because I, I, I haven't been in like you know the media game like that in a, in a, in a minute in terms of like on camera and, you know, it feels good to like get back into it and have a familiar face and for you to, you know, just kind of, you know, give me some accolades there. It's definitely appreciated. So, well, like I said, you're still a legend of SCAT TV. So ah, thank you. Thank you, Henry. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm definitely, and actually I'm coming back to Boston in a couple months. So we're definitely going to have to link up for sure. Sure, for sure, for sure. Absolutely. Thank you again, Henry, for coming on this episode of the Crystal Lens Experience. For y'all who are watching, listening, wherever you are digesting and experiencing this episode, make sure you check out The Walk, which hits theaters June 10th in I believe it's 10 different cities across the country so I'm gonna probably get them I'm gonna miss a few but Boston New York City Detroit Chicago Minneapolis Orlando um I know I'm missing a bunch but I'll throw it in the description box but make sure y'all go out and check out the walk and we will be back with another episode and I will be interviewing some more folks about the busing era in Boston so I will catch y'all next time Bye. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> Take it easy. Bye-bye.